Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Owl Once Was Lost podcast. We are the podcasting tool to the Owl Once Was Lost Missing Persons phone application. Please hit the subscribe button if you've downloaded this second of a four-part series. Please also download the Once Was Lost Missing Persons phone application for iOS and Android users and be a part of the solution to what's truly an epidemic. You'll find the link in the show notes. There's over 800,000 children that go missing in the U.S. alone each year, and a lot of these cannot just be prevented but be solved by using an app such as the Owl Once Was Lost app and the simplicity of its design. We also encourage you to please go to our Patreon page and pledge to help our efforts. Please go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash once was lost. That's O-N-C-E-W-A-S-L-O-S-T. And just pledge $3 a month in helping us to maintain the app, keep the podcast running. There are some higher tiers that have some merch included as well, if you'd like. If there is a missing person uploaded to the phone app, we have a real shot at finding the individual within that first crucial hour. So let's go ahead and get this restarted again. So we were just uh, getting to Henley, the uh, DA in the case, and we'll just remind you that uh, the last part that we had um, left off at was, however, one, one insider said that Hunter, the DA, for a reminder for you guys, is twice removed from the case. And Hunter admits that he depends on Peter Hofstrom for his information. He's the one that keeps keeping me advised. He's what I consider to be the lead guy, which some say is the problem. The Burley Hofstrom is an old friend of several of Ramsey's lawyers and often socializes with Haddon's partner, Brian Morgan. Confronted by police officials about such a seemingly impropriety, Hofstrom reported, fumed, I'm not stopping my breakfast with Brian. I've known him for 20 years. Patrick Burke, one of Patsy's lawyers, has also been cited, says an investigator, standing at the door of the off-limits war room, chatting with Hofstrom and DeMuth. And when investigators finally coaxed the Ramsey team into having its clients provide handwriting samples, it was done not at the police station, but at Hofstrom's house, as if it were a goddamn afternoon tea. Assisting Hofstrom is retired Detective Lou Smith, described by Hunter as an ace or a fox, but his critics in the police department as more of a delusional old man is how they see him. Smith quickly came to believe that the Ramseys were good Christians and capable of committing such a crime. Both the DA and police sources say that it was Hofstrom who argued to provide the Ramseys with copies of their original statements and police reports if they would sit down and just talk with the police. These actions prompted a firestorm of criticism from legal experts. The district attorney's office, the Ramsey legal team, and the Boulder police have all refused numerous requests for responses to this story. So one day in early July, I was contacted by a source with firsthand knowledge of the investigation. I arranged to meet with him in a parking lot outside of Boulder. Edgy and fearful, he said he was speaking to me only as a last resort. 
He said that with a flow of privilege, confidential information critical to a case against the Ramseys has been leaked from the DA's office to the Ramseys' lawyers within the efficiency of a sieve, or basically a net. It's just coming right through directly. He said that the Ramseys have been provided with copies of all the most sensitive and critical police and detective reports, as well as reproductions of both the ransom note and the practice note found the same day. Haddon's team even persuaded Hofstrom and Hunter to give them private viewings of the original ransom notes and the actual ligature and Garrett that was used to strangle John Bonet. The Ramsey's best defense attorneys are right inside Hunter's office, he mumbled bitterly. The sharing of such information, said famed 25-year FBI veteran Greg McCrary, is unprecedented and unprofessional and an obstruction of justice. It's criminal. It's possibly you could make a case for prosecutorial malfeasance. It's completely compromised the investigation. And on January 4th, one of Ramsey's private investigators left the message on McCrary's answering machine, asking him to join their team as a profiler. McCrary had his secretary call to uh, decline, he says, because on a ratio of 12 to 1, child murders are committed by parents or a, fa- a family member, which is true. That's the case. In this case, you also have an elaborate staging, which was the ransom note, the placement of the child's body. And I have never in my career seen or heard about a staging where it was not a family murder or someone very close to the family. Just the note alone told me the killer was in the family or close to it. They asked me to take a polygraph, says former Ramsey friend Jeff Merrick. I said, sure, no problem, as soon as John Ramsey takes one. According to the confidential source, an unedited tape of the Ramsey's January 1st CNN appearance in Atlanta, which had been obtained by a court order in March, was also handed over to Haddon's office but Hofstrom turned down repeated police requests to subpoena records of the Ramsey's toll phone calls and credit card purchases. The source also explained the delay in the Ramsey police interviews. The Ramsey's lawyers had initially demanded that Patsy and John be interviewed at the same time, that the interview not exceed 90 minutes, that all previous police statements made by the Ramsey's and others be provided to them, and that Pete Hofstrom be present throughout. The FBI came in and looked at the demand list given to the DA from the Ramseys and said, no way, you're not, you're not going to do this interview. Early on, the police had invited the FBI to assist, but according to the source, the DA's team disregarded everything the FBI expert suggested. The DA blew up with the police, but they canceled and endured the wrath of the media, the Ramseys and the DA's office, and the FBI stood up for them, according to McCrary. If there's a tutorial on how not to conduct an interview, this would be it. The interview finally took place on April 30th, though, four months after the murder. After being pounded for refusing to cooperate with police, the Ramseys gave in to separate interviews, but they held fast to their demand for a copy of the entire police file and the presence of Hostrom. Patrick Burke and one of his private investigators sat next to Patsy, who answered questions for six and a half hours. John Ramsey was accompanied by Brian Morgan and another private investigator for his 90-minute session. The questioning was conducted by detectives Tom Turillo and Steve Thomas. 
Prior to the Ramsey interviews, a show-and-tell presentation had been arranged by the Ramsey lawyers to convince Hunter that their clients had no written ransom note. According to police reports, Patsy had given two accounts of the morning events. Mrs. Ramsey told me that she had gone into John Benet's room at about 5.45 to wake her up, Officer French wrote. Finding the room empty, she went down the spiral back stairs where she discovered the note. Later, she said she found the note on the spiral back stairs when she went down to make coffee and then ran into John Benet's room. The note was written in upper and lowercase printed letters. Also discovered on the pad was a practice note beginning Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey. Kidnappers, says McCrary, do not spend hours at a time at a crime scene after murdering their victims composing letters. The actual ransom note reads, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see her in 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account, $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache case to the bank. When you get home, You will put the money in a brown paper bag, and I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence, an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement, countermeasures, and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good Southern comfort sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory, SBTC, is how it was signed. Investigators questioned why Ramsey seemed to stall over getting the ransom money if he truly believed that the note had been written by dangerous kidnappers. The money never left the bank, says one insider dryly. Out of the 74 names submitted for testing, Patsy's handwriting was the only one that set off an alarm bell said an investigator closely involved with the testing of the ransom note. A Colorado Bureau of Investigation, or CBI, report concludes, There are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey, but the evidence falls short to support that definitive conclusion. Hunter's team asked the police to accompany them to Haddon's team's demonstration at the office of Mike Bynum, 
The tables were arranged in a horseshoe, said the insider, and six of the Ramsey attorneys were there watching the detectives watch their two handwriting experts. It was total bullshit, Hunter and DeMuth are nodding their heads in an agreement as these guys are talking. Ramsey's attorney, Lee Foreman, was seen giving DeMuth a back rub during a break. After the demonstration, Alex Hunter was overheard asking Hal Haddon, well, where should we go from here? Why are they showing us unindicted, uncharged murder suspects as all the evidence? The source asked. Is this some privileged discovery process available to rich Boulderites? Everything they have done is against the advice of the Boulder Police, the FBI, and the Attorney General's Capital Crimes Unit. It's cold outside, and I suggest that we find a late-night coffee shop. In the car, I can see the depth of this man's agitation. I've seen politics and preferential treatment play such a major role in different cases, but nothing like this, he says. If the Ramseys had been some poor Mexican couple, they would have been in their face for a week got a confession out of them, and filed first-degree murder charges against them within days. If we file or we don't file, these people are doomed, says District Attorney Alex Hunter. They have been tried and convicted in the court of public opinion. It's not as if the police haven't committed their own share of blunders here. In the first 48 hours, they made crucial mistakes, including not conducting a thorough search of the house not separating the Ramseys and taking everyone down to the station for questioning and not sealing the crime scene. In subsequent days, according to the source, Linda Arndt continued to speak regularly with Patsy and her close friends. In fact, in the first week of January, without permission from the department, Arndt gave Ramsey's attorney, Patrick Burke, a copy of the ransom note. There should have been thunder rolling down the halls of the PD and shit didn't happen, says one observer. She could be the Mark Furman of this case. In mid-May, Linda Arndt was taken off the case. Other public relations disasters ensued. Detective Division Commander John Eller, greatly admired by his team, but detested by the DA's office for his tenacity in pursuing the Ramseys, applied for the job of police chief in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Larry Mason, Linda Arndt's supervisor, who had been dismissed from the case in January, sued Eller for damaging his reputation. And in June, Chief Tom Kobe took a two-week vacation in Houston, where it was widely rumored that should his old pal Lee Brown win election as mayor, he'd like to be the city's new police chief. Weeks earlier, the police union had voted no confidence in their chief, and soon after, city manager Tim Honey, Kobe's good friend and biggest cheerleader, resigned. Kobe's idea of police work is social work, said the confidential source scornfully. Morale became so low that Mayor Leslie Durgin received an assurance from Kobe that he would see the case through. No matter what mistakes the police made, they have been exponentially compounded by blunders and improprieties in the DA's office. By May, according to the confidential source, the police and the DA were conducting separate investigations. Hofstrom's team, he said, was committed to shielding the Ramseys while the police were convicted convinced that the Ramseys murderer that they I'm sorry that the Ramseys murdered their daughter and covered up the crime the police he added have been supported throughout by the FBI and the CBI these guys tell the cops they have never seen anything like this he says before reciting a litany of unprecedented actions by the DA murder suspects which are routinely requested to submit to a polygraph test but when detectives told Hofstrom to ask the Ramseys for one 
He snapped, no way. They would only refuse. In May, Hostrom's assistant, Trip DeMuth, sat down with Ramsey's attorney, Brian Morgan, to formulate the first of a series of reward ads, which ran in a Boulder paper on June 1st. Later, the DA responding to a barrage of criticism admitted his office's involvement in the ad. By April, the police had decided that they could do no longer share in all that information with the DA and that they would keep their most damning evidence to themselves. In June, a war room computer was allegedly broken into. Two weeks later, a statement from the CBI reported that there had been a glitch in the system. Nevertheless, says the confidential source, three experts told the detectives definitively that the computer was hacked. Since then, the police have considered asking the governor to bring in a special prosecutor or simply arresting the Ramses themselves. The affidavits for their arrest have been ready to serve since May, said the source. Perhaps foreseeing the possibility of a police mutiny, Hunter told me in June the police could go to a judge without coming to me and submit an affidavit for an arrest warrant. They could do that, but the DA would then say, that's great, but I'm not bringing the charges. So as I was leaving, Hunter mused aloud, if we file or we don't file, these people are doomed. They have been tried and convicted in the court of public opinion already. Every week, the tabloids in every supermarket in America scream out the verdict on the Ramses with headlines that read, Daddy did it. Binet autopsy. Mom and dad guilty. Handwriting evidence. Fingers patsy. Mom, wrote ransom note. John Binet, rape shocker. Dad linked the kitty porn scandal. John Binet's mom knows the killer or hubby. All right, guys, we're going to break there for today. It was a good little snippet, and then we're going to keep it going here on the next week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please hit the five stars for us. So again, we get those algorithms moving, as I mentioned every week. That's what helps us to get found here on Apple iTunes. And also, you can leave uh, reports on the Google Play Store. And uh, just, you know, just leave some good uh, good vibes. Or if you've got any suggestions, we're, we're open to any suggestions as well. And always trying to make the podcast better. So we're going to leave it there for today, guys. Look forward to finishing this up in the next week or two. This is a great case. If any of you are old enough to remember it, um, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later, but there's even more tragedy that occurs within this family. There's a lot of weird, uh, obviously, things going on with this note, how it was written, and specifically with the amount that's being asked for, this $118,000, which just so happened to be a specific amount of money associated with John Benet's father, which, uh, you know, we'll get to. So that's it. I'm Drew and I'm out until next week. Thank you guys.